Revelation 12:11 And they overcame him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony and they did not love their lives to the death. Welcome to by the word of their testimony and here is your host Etienne McClintock. Greetings and a warm welcome. Thank you for tuning in to by the word of their testimony. Now by the word of their testimony is not scripted and in many instances I hear the account of how God has led through his providence in the lives of people as they tell their story for the first time here on air. I have a special guest in the studio today, and her name is Karen Walker. Karen, welcome. Thank you. It's lovely to have you here. Now, I understand that you have been into 3ABN before but never done any recordings. You're a musician of sorts, and you have come and played our piano just to make sure it stays in tune. Is that right? That's correct. <laughs> okay, so I think I have heard piano playing once or twice coming from that part of our building in Studio B. And that, I think, may actually have been you as well. So uh, thank you. Welcome to being behind the mic at this time. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> so, uh, listen, uh, dear listener, 3ABN um, loves to share testimonies of people, to tell you what God has done in their lives, because quite often you will be able to relate to the experiences that people have gone through in their life. And then you can also see that God is a God of love, that he's interested in our lives, even in the small details, and he's always there to help us, encourage us, and lift us up, and ultimately prepare us for Jesus Christ's soon return. I'm looking forward to hearing Karen's testimony, and I know you'll be blessed by what she has to share today. So perhaps we can just start, Karen. What do you currently do for a living? Um, I currently am a registered nurse, and I also am studying counselling. Right, registered nurse, studying counselling. Okay, so that will keep you very busy. And on top of that, you're a musician as well. Yeah, I, I love to play the piano just in my free time. Yeah. Yeah. Fantastic. Okay, so um, are you living at home at the moment? Are you married? What What is your um, your home life like at the moment? Okay, I, I live in a share house, so I'm very single. Um, okay. But enjoy um, just... Spending time with my dog, particularly. I have a pet Kelpie. Oh, nice. And we love to go walking beside the lake. And I also have a pet rainbow lorikeet, so he keeps me. Okay, two pets, nice. <laughs> and is there any particular lake? Is it like the big lake? Like, uh, was it Lake Tugra or Budgeoy Lake? Or is it the. Uh... Um, lake Macquarie. Lake so Macquarie, okay, that's I live across um, from the conservation area. Oh, uh, nice. And just love to walk. Mm, fantastic. Now, where were you born? I was born in Brisbane. Oh, okay. You're yep. from Queensland. I am a Queenslander. Mm. And you've come down here. Now, what's brought you down here then? I had to study at Avondale College. That's okay. where I'm studying counselling. Okay. and But you're a nurse as well. So where did you study nursing? I studied nursing in Queensland okay. um, up at the University of Queensland. Mm, okay. Okay. Um, Maybe we can talk a little bit about your family life. You were born, obviously, into a family. Do you have any siblings, father, mother? Maybe just unpack that a little bit for us. Okay, so I have um, 
one sister and two brothers. Uh, we're all fairly close in age. Mm. Um, my sister is only 15 months older than me, so we're almost like twins uh, growing up, okay. spending lots of time together. And my brothers are fairly close in age as well. So um, we just had an awesome family that was very close growing up. Um, my parents do farming, so I grew up on a flower farm. A flower farm? Yeah. Okay, nice. We, we did a lot of cut flowers, so mm. a lot of the Australian natives at home. Mm. And then we had a main farm about five minutes away. Okay. So uh, growing up, you worked on the farm quite a bit and helped your parents with their with their farming business? Yes. It was an awesome way to get pocket money growing <laughs> okay, up. Okay. So you got a little bit of pay for it. <laughs> yes. We, we loved um, to, I guess, help mum and dad on the farm. Mm. And it was good for developing a good work ethic as well. Absolutely. Yeah, very important. So uh, you're number what as far as the four children are concerned? I'm number two. You're number two. Okay. So two girls born first? Yeah. And then the two boys are after that? That's right. Okay. Oh, very good. Now, uh, the family you were brought up in, were they a Christian family or were they secular? What was your influences when you were growing up? Okay. I grew up in a very strong Christian home. Okay. Um, we always had family worship, morning and night. Wow. Um Apparently, when I was three, I used to pray for the frogs. So, yes, I was oh, very... Oh, really? The, the little frogs outside? Yes. Like Queensland, the, you have a frog or two there, I, I understand. Yes. So. <laughs> I was a nature lover right from very young. So, I always um, loved the bugs and the creepy crawlies, and I used to pray for the frogs. Oh, yeah. well, there you go. <laughs> well, even the frogs need prayer sometimes. And it's just so wonderful to hear the prayer of a young child. You know, the innocence that comes through and the things that are important to them come out in those little prayers. Okay, so great positive influences in your family with evening and, and, and morning uh, devotions. And as far as schooling was concerned, um, where did you go to school? I was actually homeschooled for oh, okay. most of my younger schooling years. Hmm. Um, up until year nine, I went into school. Okay. And what was that like after having been homeschooled? Uh, maybe if you can still remember, what was your first day like going to school and you had to sit in school for, I don't know how many, six hours? How long do you have to sit in school nowadays? There were some challenges going to school, um, but I think I value having had both experiences. Mm. I think particularly going into school at um, year nine, there's a lot of clicks that happen in the social dynamics at that sure. age yes, that was yes. quite challenging to walk mm. into. So you're the new kid in school and some of these other kids have known each other for a while and then it's obviously going to be a challenge to fit in, I imagine. Yeah, mm. it, it was a challenge, but... In my homeschooling experience, we had uh, about 30 homeschoolers in a in a group together on the south side of Brisbane there. Oh. A lot of, um, so did you guys catch up quite regularly? Yeah. So how would that work then? So you would do your homeschooling a bit home, and then how often would you see these other kids? Uh, we used to meet up almost on a weekly basis. So mm. we used to have, I think, two weeks a month at the park. Okay. Um, just one day a week, hmm. and then we used to have an excursion as well. Okay, once a month or thereabouts, um, and also it was a craft day. Yeah. Uh, okay, so you had a fair bit of a connection there. So although you're homeschooled, that doesn't mean you're always by yourself. You do have those social interactions with other people and other kids that's, around about your age. That's correct. We definitely had um, an active social life. We had church as well. Mm. which kept us busy. Um, a lot of these 
different homeschoolers from different backgrounds. So he had quite a good range of kids. I did find that I mixed with a lot wider age range sure. than if I'd gone to school. Okay. You know what I found when I've um, met people who've been homeschooled, especially if they've had those social exposures that, that you've obviously had, that they can relate to old and young far better. Where I found people who have not had those experiences quite often can relate to their own peer group and their own age group quite well, but they don't always interact as well with, with, with other age groups. Yes, I mm. definitely find that it has enriched my ability to talk to anybody at any age. That's fantastic. Um, I grew up actually next door to my grandparents. So okay. on our farm, we basically had um, my dad and his four brothers bought 40 acres together. Okay. And they subdivided it into 10 acres each. Yes. So I grew up across the paddock from my cousins. Nice. Okay. Which meant I had plenty of social opportunity with them as well. But also then my grandparents bought the five acres next door. Uh-huh. So I grew up, spent half my life at my grandparents' place next door. Oh, that sounds very nice. <laughs> so you you come from a very close family then? Yes, very close. Um, my uncle also has Down syndrome and he was living with my grandparents. Okay. So I spent a lot of time playing with him, playing cars, playing wow. drawing on their veranda with chalk and various things like that. <laughs> that is amazing. I actually, um, I actually grew up with my aunt who had Down syndrome. She was six years older than I was. So my grandparents uh, had a, a little surprise, and they were in their forties when they had her. So she grew up. My aunt grew up as one of my playmates. She was one of my best friends growing up. That's that's exactly what it was like. We used to love to play with him mm. and just have a great time together. He had limited speech, but he did have reasonable amount enough to yeah. have a good time playing with. Okay, fantastic. So you had some special, unique experiences growing up as a child, just like I did, that other people perhaps would not have had. Um, so apart from family influences, were there other influences within your life at that time? Um, my other nana on the other side of my family did a lot of foster care. Okay. And so I did have... Um, I guess, friendships and play experiences mm. with my uh, Nana's foster kids. Yes. And that was a good experience as well. Okay, um, wonderful. Yeah. And uh, as far as your family were concerned, uh, I mean, obviously church life was important, worship was important. Uh, what other activities did you guys get up to as a family? We loved to go camping. Okay. So my parents actually took me camping when I was three weeks old. So they were real game. <laughs> nice. Okay. Yes. And we often went for driving up Fraser Island, Double Island Point, mm. spent a couple of weeks a year up there camping on the beach. It was good family time. Yeah, that would be great. I've heard the Fraser Island is quite beautiful. My wife, uh, we've been married 25 years, and she's been telling me we need to go and visit Fraser Island. She's been up there as well and loved it. And I still haven't been up there. So <laughs> you're just encouraging me now to uh, to go and spend that time and go up to Fraser Island and have a look around. Very nice. So outdoors is very important and you guys spend a lot of time camping, you, you were saying. Yes. Hmm. We actually used to go right up the tippy top of Fraser Island to Sandy Cape, they call it. And we used to okay. camp right up the top there and play on the sand dunes and, and visit all, the lighthouse. 
or from the age of three weeks old that you started camping. Okay, so that would be like in your blood pretty much. And I can understand now why getting out in the outdoors and, you know, going for walks and nature is very important to you. Yes. When we used to leave the door open at home, mum and dad used to joke that we were born in a tent. Um, and okay. it was almost true. <laughs> <laughs> oh, very nice. You know, the great outdoors. I find people who you know, spend a lot of time outdoors uh, a little bit less stressed than other people otherwise. So uh, when you started going to school, that would have been quite a different experience. And uh, any highs or lows from those experiences? Um, I did find I was very shy. Okay. And so going into school, like I remember being fairly shy from around eight years old. Okay. And really struggling with new experiences. And I think Mm. I struggled going into school into an environment that was quite, what would you say, teenage? um, Okay, yeah, it could be quite (laughs) loud. And uh, I guess if people have relationships and friendships, um, to break into those circles if you're maybe not extroverted would be a little bit harder, I imagine. Especially the identity struggles of teenagers, I think. Of course, it complicates Um, things quite a bit, doesn't it? And they tend to be a little bit more difficult to break in around that age, I think. Hmm. Yeah. But school-wise, overall, would you rate it as a positive experience or is it a little bit of a mixed bag? I think the first couple of years I really struggled at school, Mm, not academically. Yeah. Um, Going from homeschool into school, you know, homeschooling was a learning environment. At least my mum made it very fun. Yes. We did science experiments in the hallway and all sorts of, like, fun experiences with science. and, And so I came in with a... A love for learning, mm. a real love for learning. And I guess the school um, environment probably stigmatises that a little. Okay. Particularly the math science areas, mm-hmm. <laughs> which I had a dad who loved math and um, our whole family loved science and that kind of stuff. So I guess I came in with a hatred for writing. Okay. And... A love for the math, science, you know, investigative side of mm. learning, um, which didn't go down well in every part of school. Sure, of course, yeah. because writing's an important part, I guess. Absolutely. Yeah. How are you with history and languages and that? Was that something that really intrigued you or you know, geography or is it more the, the sciences and the numbers? and the? Yeah, I did struggle, I think, a bit with the writing side of things. Mm. Um, Struggled to keep up with the writing, particularly they used to write on the board or whatever, Mm. and I would be trying to write what they were already rubbing off. So Uh, often I would have to copy off my friend's um, well, I can relate <laughs> no. as well because I, uh, I I was not the best of writers as well. I was a slow writer and quite often I'd have to catch up. And the faster I wrote, the scribblier my handwriting got until the point I couldn't, couldn't read it. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh, well, there you go. Okay. And uh, all through your life pretty much, it sounds like there were a lot of positive influences, um, nothing that you can really say that stands out that was sort of you know, dragging you away from the Lord as such. Was there anything like that at all? No, not that was dragging me away from God, I don't think. Mm. I was baptized at the age of 12, so I made okay. a decision for God very early. Mm. Um, my parents took me to a revelation seminar around that time as well, so okay. I loved to get into the, I guess, 
beauty and the depth of God's word right, mm. right from quite young. Okay. But I think the only thing that probably impacted me in negative ways was, you know, negative social dynamics at times. Yes. Um, we changed churches when I was 10. And again, initially I struggled to fit in the new dynamic yes. at times. Okay. And I struggled with a lot of anxiety mm. growing up from quite young. So, yeah, particularly socially as well. Okay. So just, you know, um, new environments, things that are unknown to you, particularly that would make you a little bit more anxious. Yes. You're just the unknown. Yeah, a lot of people actually struggle with that. And I I mean, as I've got older, I think probably personalities change as well. But I was a little bit shy when I was younger too. And some people you could click with. You could just get on very easy. Some other people a little bit harder. And some people are just you never quite make that connection. And I used to find that... Um, the cool kids. So some kids may have thought I was cool as well at times. I never saw myself as such. I wanted to be cool, but I struggled to fit in sometimes with the cool kids. I always thought they were a little bit better than me, and I didn't have their their social skills. You know, they seemed to be That's witty and right. that. But give me an environment where I felt I was amongst my peers and I was on the equal level. I was a very different person. Yeah. Mm. So quite often, I think maybe it could be a mental block for some people. You know, they they just set up these mental uh, walls which exists in our own experience, but from other people's perspective, they may not even have a worry about that at all. That's right, and yeah. I think that's what it was for me. Okay. Um, particularly didn't see myself as witty or cool in any okay. way, and being quite shy, I struggled to fit in, particularly with the cool kids. Mm. Um, and, yeah, just found that the way that the social dynamics happen in school yeah. were quite... Um, I wasn't into the cool stuff. <laughs> okay. <laughs> understand. Yeah. Okay. So at the age of 12, you make a decision for the Lord. And was it subsequent to that uh, Revelation seminar or Daniel seminar, the prophecy seminar that you went to that uh, you made your decision? Or was it just part of the journey? And at that time, you just felt it was the right thing to sort of commit your life to God? It wasn't directly related to the prophecy seminar, okay. but it was part of my journey and part of when I fell in love with, I guess, the Bible and mm. what's the interesting things that are in there. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So is there a particular time in your life experience up to this point in time where God um, really meant something to you or a connection with Jesus really, or was it just a, a, a constant, consistent walk with the Lord that took you to that path of, of decision of baptism? Not before that time. I think the big turnaround in my life spiritually was when I was 18 years old, so in high school, um, at toward the end of high school. Okay. And, yeah, I had a lot of struggles through high school, just emotionally and also with anxiety-type hmm. stuff struggles. So the big turnaround came for me when I was 18. Yeah. Right. So what happened at the age of 18 that makes this sort of stand out as a, as a little bit of a milestone for you? It is a specific incident that like, okay. I, I remember, but there was a lot, of, lot going on that all contributed to mm. it. So we had a new pastor come to our church. He talked a lot about identity and mm. worth, and I struggled with a lot of low self-worth. Okay. Um, and so that did have a big impact on me. We started meeting as a youth group on a Friday night and um pastor would come along and we would, yeah, just halfway through the year there we started doing that kind of stuff and it made a big impact on me and contributed to what happened. Mm. Um, I was studying also 
for myself in the book of Revelation. I actually okay. had to take a, a lesson for my church. Um, like a Bible study for, lesson? Yeah, for, for my youth group. Oh. Um, we, I was in charge of the Bible study that week at church. Mm. And so I chose to do it on the message to the church of Laodicea. Okay, the seventh church in Revelation, Revelation chapter 3, yeah. Yeah, so it wasn't exactly a simple thing that I was studying and I was trying to understand what it meant and it Mm. it was a bit of a struggle for me to figure it out. Yeah. But also I was faced with the tone of that message is like you're rich and increased with goods in need of nothing. Yeah. You know, you're lukewarm. I'll spit you out of my mouth. Yeah. I don't. I. You don't know that you're naked, and you're blind, <laughs> yes. and all this kind of stuff. And so I was being intrigued by this mm. and and trying to get to the bottom of that because I wanted to share it for the Bible study group. Yes. Also, at that time, it was actually right on the end of school holidays, mid-year school holidays. And so I went back to school and then I got um, results that I didn't like because I hadn't studied as much as I had gone on a youth camp instead of studying for my exams. Uh, Okay, (laughs) right, right. And also I loved art Mm -hmm. and I got back results that I wasn't happy with for my art project that I'd done. And, yeah, I hit a real low point one day that week Hmm. and – I guess I went to school, my friends didn't say hello or, you know, weren't very friendly to me that day and yes. all my insecurities in that area hit me mm. um, and I got a lot of results that I wasn't happy with. So it went from bad to worse. But yeah. yeah okay. <laughs> I think that those results, um, they probably weren't bad for some some people wouldn't have been disappointed with them, but I had quite high My expectations, expectations of myself. Sure. I wanted to get an OP one to five or something because mm-hmm. I wanted um, to get into. I had thought about doing medicine, but mm. I had kind of changed my mind with the amount of writing I'd had to do in school. Okay, right, right. <laughs> but um, I still wanted an OP better mm. than five. Mm. My sister got an OP four, I think, and I it was a bit of sister rivalry going on there as well right and so i was pretty devastated i think Mm. um and all this added up to me going home and i'd usually let all all my anxiety out on the piano and all my negative emotions and i'd just pour my heart out to the piano kind of in in music Mm. but that day i got home and and I couldn't play. I don't know, just nothing would work. Oh, no. And I had a sixth grade um, piano exam coming up. Okay, that's a big In a big month's exam. time. So that was quite a stress for me to go mm. home and then not all of a sudden nothing would come together. Yeah, so you've had uh, a, a tough day. You go back, you get bad news on some of your uh, grades. And then you go home and the thing that you know and you've got to prepare for an exam, all of a sudden that's not coming together for you as well. So you're having a bit of a crisis. Yeah, that, and uh, yeah. I came home to them, my sister telling me I should drop art and it was one of my favourite subjects earlier in my schooling and my mind just didn't want to hear that mm. or any of the stuff that my mum and my sister said to me when I got home that day. Okay. And I just remember 
going and I actually got in the shower and poured out my just tears and tears and tears. And I think there was a number of things that hit me um, during that experience and I just hit rock bottom. Mm. I didn't see that I could ever um, move beyond my shyness and be of use to the world. Yeah. And... So you you didn't like the experience of shyness. You just felt it was a hindrance rather than a help. Yeah. Okay. And you wanted to move on beyond that. But how do you do it when you're a shy person? That's right. Hmm. And I didn't think that if I was scared of interacting on a on that level, hmm. that I could be useful to the world. Yeah. And I also, I think, my studies in Revelation had showed me that. I was not as good as I thought I was, you know. Okay, from a religious, a spiritual, yeah. from a religious perspective, right? Um, and particularly, what hit me is that I was so shy that I was scared of sharing my faith with others, mm. and I was scared of sharing my faith because I was scared of what everyone thought of me. Okay. And it hit me in a big way that. You know, Christ was willing to die on a cross for me mm. and experience all that ridicule and all that shame. Yes. I really struggled with shame. And mm. he was able to hang on a cross for me, exposed to the world's criticism. And mm. yet I wasn't even willing to share my faith with my friends for fear of what they thought of me. Yeah. And I think that really, really hit me about mm. just how bad I was in that regard. Okay, sure. Yeah. And I can understand the uh, the significance of that, that thought, yeah. Yeah. And also all the things that I usually turn to as my sense of identity and my sense of strength, um, that all failed me that day. Wow. Okay. Well, that's uh, that's a lot of things happening. Now, so you're 18 years of age. You know, you're still going through teenage years, shyness being an issue. You've got some bad results coming from school. Uh, you've got uh, family members saying, perhaps you should change some of your subjects, and these are subjects you love. You go to the thing that you like, you know, the thing that gives you expression. Piano, that's not working together. And then you also convince from a spiritual perspective that maybe you are not what you would like to be as far as your walk with the Lord is concerned. So there's a lot of things happening in your life. But when we come back, we're just going to take a break now, but when we come back, maybe we can unpack that a little bit further because obviously there's got to be more to the story than where we find it there. That That's correct. Like that was a massive turning point in my life, that mm. moment. And, you know, God can take the the deepest pit that you, that you hit and then turn it into a life-transforming experience. And I look forward to hearing all about it straight after the break. Stay tuned. Welcome to the Minute That Makes a Difference. I'm Margot Marshall. What difference would it make if you made a habit of being grateful? Gratitude actually has measurable health benefits. For example, adults who keep gratitude journals on a regular basis exercise more regularly, they report fewer illness symptoms, feel better about their lives as a whole, and are more optimistic about the future. Gratitude is actually a science, and it's also ancient wisdom, having way over a hundred mentions in the Bible. And there's a lot to be thankful for. Albert Einstein admitted that he needed to remind himself a hundred times a day 
that his inner and outer life depended on the labours of other people, living and dead. So cultivate gratitude. It makes a difference. Welcome back. You are listening to By the Word of Their Testimony, and my special guest in the studio today is Karen Walker. Now, Karen, just before the break, you were telling us about a very low point in your life, about the age of 18, and all these things coming together. You know, it'll be academic, but it'll be social, and a lot of other influence, and also struggling with shyness. And just before we get to the good news, because I hope and I think there will be some good news, maybe you can explain, just unpack a little bit how you got to be in this, you know, low emotional state that you found yourself in. Yeah, I did have a big problem with shyness. And Mm. often I would find when I was younger and I would um, go shy and then my mum would go off at me for being rude Mm. and she didn't understand what was going on inside me and she would take it as being rude. Mm. Um, And that was quite a struggle and it shook me um, socially as well, Mm. my confidence in my in my social skills, if you like. I think my parents didn't have like a lot of confidence in their own social skills and Mm. I think that kind of impacted on my own confidence in the comments that they would come out with. Like, for example, if I said the wrong thing and then my mum would go off at me like people think this or, you know. So I learnt to to think that people were going to think bad of me. Okay, they'd be critical of your uh, communication skills or something you said and that, so you would hold back rather than go through that potential for criticism. That's right. And I think also... Um, people would say to us growing up as homeschoolers that you're homeschooled and homeschoolers don't have any social skills. Mm. And I think that really shook me in my okay. own confidence in myself, especially since I would go shy. Mm. Um, and then I would... But think, that was more a personality thing rather than yeah. a homeschooling thing. Yeah. Well, maybe not even personality, but just an anxiety thing rather okay. than a actual lack of skill. Sure. Um, And I think that what people thought of me was taught to me to be really important. Mm -hmm. Um, And like, for example, I was primed to think that school was going to be a negative experience because my mum had a, she would share some bad experiences herself when we wanted to go to school. Oh, you don't want us to go to school. They made me play, play by myself or they... People at school are nasty, kind okay. of. Okay, so you yeah. were sort of being scripted a little bit to expect some difficulty at school even before you went to school. That's right. Mm. Um, so I did struggle then when I went to school and I had very different experiences in life. Okay. Um, not boring experiences, but I couldn't relate maybe to the discussion of movies and, and things that they would talk about. Mm. And because I was different in terms of what I was interested in, yes, I would think that, you know, they thought I was boring. Mm. <laughs> yeah. So okay. I didn't really prize myself as being important or I really thought I, I was worth not much, you know. Okay. So mm. low self-worth like you were saying before. Wow. Okay. So all these things then come together and there's like a bit of like a tipping point almost, you know, where you hit rock bottom, you're in the shower, you're crying. But there must be some good news that comes from this old experience. What happens? Yeah, I I remember just 
crying and and thinking that I was a broken mess and mm. nothing good could ever come of it. Yeah. But at that point, I heard my conscience speak to me, and I, I just I knew it was my conscience as soon as it spoke because it didn't come from what I was thinking about. Yeah. And it was just like God said to me. I know you're broken mess and I'll make it better if you let me. Mm, amen. And I realized at that point I had a choice. I could think that I would not come to anything ever mm. or I could actually let him do that. Mm. And I had a choice. And so after a few moments like wrestling with it, I I just let it all go. Wow. And I chose to trust that he could make something out of my life, mm. that he could make me worth something. He could give me words to speak, even though I didn't feel I was like I was good with my tongue. Yes. So how, I mean, obviously this came from some ways. There's obviously God through the Holy Spirit working and speaking to your mind and your conscience speaking to you like that's the word you use for it. Was it all of the exposure to the Bible and the word of God that gave you that understanding and knowledge that God could make something of your life? Where did, that, where did those thoughts come from? Yes, I think my previous um, knowledge of the Bible and some of the things I've been reading, um, I used to read a book called Messages to Young People. Okay. And there was book. actually some beautiful passages in the front of that book mm. that talk about um, our worth and mm. this kind of stuff um, and how God can take the weakest of the weak yes. and make something and also in my art my actual art thing that i'd done was actually an expression of how god can take rubbish Mm. and turn it into something beautiful now i wasn't actually thinking of myself when i did this art project i was actually thinking of the rubbish as being the destruction and um, war and everything in the world Mm. and how god's going to make it new yes yes and so i'd done crumpled up wire and uh, uh, an art thing which was actually a picture from World War One of the Somme and the Flanders with all the okay. um, dead trees and just disgusting mm. um, mess of war and then I'd taken some wire some beautiful new wire and I've created it into a arum lily and it was absolutely just perfect in its shape and its form and it was all about how God could take the rubbish and turn it into something beautiful Mm. now when I didn't get a good mark for it and I didn't I guess it just crumpled in me but when Mm. God said I'll take your broken mess and make it into something beautiful you know what I saw in my mind was my painting oh wow (laughs) And it was like, whoa, God actually promised to do that out of my my mess mm. to actually create it into something beautiful. As the master artist, yeah, wow. And so I committed at that moment, um, part of my experience was to commit that if he gave me an opportunity to speak, that I would take it up mm. and that I would be willing despite, didn't matter how, embarrassed or ashamed, I felt that I would be willing to bear that for him Mm. because he was willing to hang naked and shamed on a cross for me. Yes. 
Wow. Okay. So his love for you and his willingness to do that for you now created a flame within you, okay, a passion and a love for God that you were prepared. If he made such a great sacrifice, you would make the sacrifice and put yourself out, even if you feel awkward and uncomfortable and shy, that you would put yourself out there regardless of what the consequences would be. That's right. Wow. That is amazing. That is that's quite profound. What's actually really amazing is what he did with that because, hmm. you know, when I committed to doing that, it was like a promise that if he, he opened up an opportunity for me, if I recognize it and ha- help me to recognize it, yeah. that I would be willing to actually do it. Hmm. Now, don't make a bargain with God like that unless, okay. um, <laughs> unless you're prepared to go through with it because he will. Right. Okay. So uh, tell us what happened. Um the next day, our school captain comes back from, um, she'd been on a storm co-trip mm. and she came back on fire about prayer and she said, oh, I'm going to make a prayer group. So the next day, again, she actually announced it on front of our chapel service yeah. at school. We're going to have a prayer group at lunchtime. And so I went, I was like, oh, here's an opportunity. Oh. So I went. Um, and at the start, it was just her and me, and okay. we prayed together. And then um, her friends came in, and so we had an, another bit of a talk and prayed together again. And then she pipes up and says, it's week of prayer next week, and I'm looking for a welcome team, and we're just going to like share a little things that God's done for us and mm. Bible text or this kind of stuff. Um and she said, I'm looking for people to help me, like four or five of us up there, and we just share together for a week of prayer. Mm. Um, and all her friends that were like, yeah, we'll do it. And then they all looked at me, and I was like, the worst thing for me was public speaking. Okay. I would shake like a leaf, yeah. and I would like look like I was gonna faint. Like mm. I was just the worst public speaker out. Okay. <laughs> and they all looked at me, and I was like, "Wow!" And I realized what I'd committed yes. a couple of days before. Yeah, remembered. And I said, in the Bible, it says that God's strength is made perfect in our weakness. Our weakness, that's right. And so I said that to them and I said, I'm willing to do it if you guys are willing to have me on the team. Mm. (laughs) And they said, yeah. And so they made us special T-shirts and scarves and everything. And next week I was part of the welcome team. And I got up there in front of the whole school and had to share what God had done for me and little Bible texts and this kind of stuff. And I just remember... I shook like a leaf. I was not. You, you were quite. You were quite yeah, nervous. Yeah, I was really nervous. Mm. But as I became part of that team and part of what happened that week of prayer, our whole school was just revived in a way I've never seen it before. The, both the messages and everything that came together, it was a life-transforming experience. Mm. And people would hang around after the class, and they would want to pray together. Wow. Just in groups. There's young people doing that. How That's right. Wonderful. <laughs> and one day I made a stumble when I was um, sharing and I was so nervous that I couldn't get my words out properly and I said something I was embarrassed about. And I was, but in that I kind of stumbled and 
just really struggled to get my words out. And I remember just that commitment to be willing to be a shame for him if mm. he was willing to do that for me, yes. like to f- experience being out there. Mm. And that morning on the way back to class, I was walking beside one of my friends and she was an exchange student from Japan and she was Buddhist background, so no real knowledge of Christianity at all. Mm. And she said to me, why did you cry? And it was like, whoa, I realised that my moment of weakness in that presentation actually opened up this whole opportunity to share with her. Mm. And I realised it, it, it had just come across like I was emotional. Mm. And I was like, wow, that's really powerful how God could take my weakness and turn it into something really powerful. And I started to share with her about the cross and what, about what Jesus did for me. Mm. And next thing, we're doing Bible studies together. You and this lady is a Buddhist. Wow. Yeah, a young fellow student Mm. and um, my other friends joined in as well and we were having Bible studies and it was just like, wow, God could take my broken mess and turn it into something beautiful. Mm. So this is like, is it, are we talking weeks and months after that experience you had, you know, when you went back home and you had that broken rock bottom moment? This was the next week because it was week of prayer. This is the next week. As I said, it was like two it days. Moved very quickly when you moved with you. <laughs> it was two days when when the um, friend asked me, the, sorry, the school captain asked me to be part of, part of the week break. of prayer team. Yeah. And it was the next week. Wow. Praise the Lord. So all of a sudden you find yourself uh, in a situation where you've not had experiences like this before and you're sharing the gospel. You're up in front of people. You're really... Put yourself out in the comfort zone, but it's not because you're relying on your own strength. You're relying on God because he says, um, when I am weak, my grace is sufficient for you because God's strength is made perfect in our weakness. And that comes from Second Corinthians chapter 12, verse, verse 9. That's the one I was thinking of, yeah. Yeah, yeah, wow. Okay, so this is quite a milestone in your life. So what happened subsequent to that in your life? Um, so the next few months were just amazing. I just remember the whole last half of year 12 was the top experience of my life in, in a way. Yeah. Uh, we were doing Bible studies. Um, our Bible worker at our church actually um, had us out in the community doing kids' Bible studies in the community as well. Mm. And also just in our group of youth that met every Friday night. I just felt so revived and our pastor talking about our worth Mm. and I learned to fight my negative thinking. It's not like I never had a struggle again. Sure, sure. I learned that I'd feel the Holy Spirit speaking to me Mm. and he would just like, no, that's not who you are kind of thing. This is who you are. You're a child of God. Yes. You've been a child of God all along, but this, this incredible encounter with God and him speaking to you then transforms and changes your life. But, you know, there's a text there. It's in Romans chapter 12, verse 2, that says, well, we are to be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So while some of those you know, negative thoughts may still come back, God is always able to remind us, listen, you've got value, you've got worth, and I'm able to transform and change you. So were people saying to you, uh, were they noticing a difference? Yes, very yeah. different. In fact, I remember f- friends in year 12 telling me, oh, man, you're so different to when you came to school. And 
like my life just lit up. In fact, there's a Bible text that I think sums up okay. um, some of that testimony for mm. me is, I sought the Lord and he heard me and he delivered me from all my fears. They looked to him and they were radiant and their faces were not ashamed. And that's Psalm 34 verse 4 and 5. Psalm 34 verse 4 and 5. Wow. What a blessing the Psalms are. Okay, so you, your life is transformed and it's the best how many months, six months, whatever it is, of your school experience. Absolutely. Mm. And so you graduated school, and where do you, what do you do next? Where, where do you go? So I went up the Sunshine Coast and worked at a health retreat for a year okay. and did a massage certificate. Mm. Then I decided to go and do nursing. Um, and I had, yeah, continued struggles in, in my nursing with shyness, mm. but I think the big thing is God became my counsellor in okay. a really powerful way and I would feel the Holy Spirit talking to me and, and sharing with me about like moving beyond that and I guess a willingness to not let my fear stop me. Yeah, that's interesting. You know, there's that text there in, in the first epistle of John, so towards the end of the Bible, First John chapter 4 where it talks about God being love. It says that in verse 8 and also in verse 16, it makes a simple statement, God is love. But it says that perfect love casts out all fear. So as we see God's love for us, quite often when I feel fearful, I always remind myself that God is love and that he is able to cast out all the fears that I have. You know, Sometimes it's just fear and sometimes it's just be a, a, a lack of self. It could be self-worth. It could be just a lack of, I don't think I've got the skills to deal with this. But quite often when we face those things, it's amazing how God can take us through it and give us the skills and the ability. And there's a thing uh, Alan White says in Christ's Object Lessons that I think it's around page 333, 330, somewhere around there, where it says that all God's biddings are his enabling. So whatever he asks you to do, he actually gives you the ability to do. Mm-hmm. So we can rely on those promises and that God is able to take our weakness and uh, we can be made strong through him when we recognize that. Yes. Okay. So you're, so you go and study? And you become a nurse? Yep. And I graduate and I landed myself a job in a busy surgical ward. In fact, probably one of the busiest surgical wards in Brisbane. Hmm. Um, And for somebody who grew up with this struggle, it was actually quite hard. I actually came from being the one who was asking all the questions to all of a sudden I was registered now and people were expecting me to stand up and take that um, responsibility. Okay, and so you were answering a lot of questions now. <laughs> <laughs> All of a sudden I had um, opportunities to even work with a student for a day and um, it was quite a scary experience and I think I really struggled in that um, mm. professionally to move from that student phase into the professional the phase. professional um, yeah and I did hit a real low point where like my boss wasn't happy and and mm. everything with my so performance a lot of pressure's coming on you again yeah the major interactions that we we're having to have with doctors and and the pressure to um, even question things when they weren't right or like just the responsibility that I was on the end of was so hard for me and mm. particularly making phone calls to professionals on front of other people whereas I used to shut myself in the um, study 
when I had to make a phone call and write it all down, mm. you know. So I would be prepared. And all of a sudden I was having to have phone calls off the cuff in front of everybody. And that was actually really... That would have been quite hard. Yeah. yeah. Wow. So with that juggle, I, I did have experiences where I would cope with as much as I could and but in some level I would avoid certain things that I I had struggles with and my boss wasn't happy wow and so she put me well they workplace put me through a performance thing that was quite humiliating to me Mm. to be watched by somebody every day and have and this kind of thing and I remember going through that experience just going um feeling like I couldn't do another day. Mm. And again, I remember crying out to God on the way home one day Mm. and just saying, I don't think I can do this another day. And like, do you want me to do something else? Do you not want me to do nursing? Um, Like I could do a million other things. Mm. If I'm not good at this, then maybe there's something else I should be doing. Yes. And asking God to speak to me and show me... um, what he wanted me to do Mm. and this little voice in my head you know the holy spirit speaking to me and he said i speak to you through my word and i'm like okay lord where do you want me to read because i don't know where to read Mm. and you know what came into my head so go home and read hebrews chapter 11 and 12 oh the chapter on faith and (laughs) Yeah, that's that's what came into my head, mm. and I was just blown away. And I knew God had spoken to me because a few months before I'd been reading the beginning of Hebrews chapter twelve, and I'd said to God, "If I'm ever ready to give up, make me read this." Okay. <laughs> and so, so as God soon as you. as soon as I said, "Speak to me, Lord. I don't know if I should be doing this anymore. I'm ready to quit." Mm what do you want me to read? <laughs> and he said to me, read Hebrews chapter 11, 12. So in the middle of the night, I thought I'd read it for worship next morning. Mm. So in the middle of the night, I woke up and I couldn't sleep and I thought I was going to get the sack and all this kind of stuff. And God said to me, I've already spoken to you. Are you going to read it? And I said, I went and I, I read it and it just blew me away. It was about 1.30 in the morning mm. and I... I think that if I had waited till morning, I wouldn't have got nearly as much out of it because I wouldn't have had time. Yes. If I set my alarm for the normal time. Okay. But as I read that passage, it just blew my mind how specific the instruction was for my situation. Yeah, it just really blows my mind how it even had instruction there when we go through this time not to let any root of bitterness spring up. Okay. And I realized that I was in danger of becoming very bitter toward my boss because Mm -hmm. of what she was putting me through that I was so ashamed and and so uncomfortable with. Mm. And I hadn't told anybody what I was going through, not my family, no one, because I was so ashamed. Really? Wow. So you were actually internalizing this and it's only really... Only God knew what was going on in your mind and, and, and the, the difficulty of the experience you were going through at that That's time. That's right. Mm. And I just think it goes through all these people who endured for the hope that was set before them. Yes, beautiful. Noah and you've got Abraham mm. who went out not knowing where he was going and yes. you've got all these people, Moses, and they endured for the hope that was set before them. Mm. And 
the instruction and the, for me in my workplace was clear. Yes. You know, endure for the hoop that was set before me. Yeah. Like Jesus, even it finishes with. So you were in yeah. the right place. You were where God wanted you to be. That's Don't right. give up. Endure. Yeah. And press on. And so I did. Mm. And I still went through that experience, not being sure if I was going to have a job at the end of it. Mm-hmm. But knowing that whatever happened, that God was in control. Yes. And that he wanted me to endure for the hope that was set before me. Mm. And so I chose to do that. And at the end, you know, everything was fine. And they did an assessment and this, all this kind of stuff. And I came through with flying colors and oh, praise the Lord. knew that, you know, it was just me struggling with anxiety over over having inter- interactions with high-profile mm, doctors mm. and all this kind of stuff that was affecting my performance. Sure, yeah. Now, I can relate to so much you've shared so far with your testimony. You know, those neuro-linguistics that run in our mind, we have our own little script that runs in there. And quite often, we, you know, we can become quite anxious. And especially if we've had experiences in the past that may be a little bit negative and they go to haunt us. Um, and by nature, I think quite often, you know, one negative experience has a greater impact on us than one positive experience. But God is able to give us strength. He's able to give us a new focus, a new perspective. And he's also able to give us power to tackle things that we feel like giving up. So just praise God for that. You know, that text comes to mind in Philippians chapter 4, verse 13, where it says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Absolutely. Mm. And about six months or so after that, um, God put me in a situation that really clearly led me into helping others with, you know, depression, anxiety. Mm. And it wasn't something that I had had any interest in. And it's quite amazing how he put me in a training program from American medical doctor in a different state in New South Wales. I was in Brisbane at the time. Yes. Without me knowing that he existed the day before. And so clear was his leading in that regards that I realized that there's absolutely no question about whether I was there by chance because there's no way you could end up in a training program you didn't Mm. know about um, when you didn't want to be there without his leading. Yeah. And that's why I've gone the direction I've gone with um, doing counselling. Okay, so this was a counselling training program you got into and all your experiences up till now has been able to assist you to help other people going through similar things. Yeah, it wasn't a counselling training program. It was an education program that you can run through your church on mental health and it covers your physical health and how, for example, anxiety, lifestyle, um, diet and a whole different heap of things impact Mm. our mental health yeah and it was all about helping people to get as much of their lifestyle and as much of what they can um make an impact on yes right Mm -hmm. so that they have the optimum mental health yes yes it's amazing how lifestyle diet exercise all those things play a significant factor and just by changing a few things in your life you can have a much more positive outlook. Thank you for bringing that up. We're just going to go for a short break and we will give you our contact details and we'll then come back with some closing remarks. Stay tuned. 
Thank you for joining us on By the Word of Their Testimony. If you would like more information about today's program, or if you have any questions, please contact 3ABN Australia Radio by phoning 0249733456. Or you can send an email to radio at 3abnaustralia.org.au. You can also contact us on our 3ABN Australia Radio Facebook page. We look forward to hearing from you. Welcome back. You are listening to By the Word of Their Testimony. And my special guest today sharing her testimony is Karen Walker. Now, Karen, just before the break, you were telling us about this program, this education program you got involved in. What program is that? And just tell us the impact that had on you and perhaps other people. All right. It's Neil Nedley's Depression Recovery Program. okay. And it is an education program. It goes for about eight weeks generally, just one Mm. night a week. And and it covers over things like um, nutrition and depression and anxiety and how they impact each other. Yes. It talks about things like lifestyle and sunlight and the importance of those things in regulating your sleep patterns and all mm. sorts of interesting things. You like coming into the mind and the, 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 the circadian rhythms or whatever they call those yes. things with sleep. and yeah. That's right. And also goes through addictions, grief and loss, mm. and a whole heap of different things that impact your mental health mm. and gives you basically tools yes. to maximize your mental health through things that you actually can impact. Okay. Mm. Well, that sounds like a great program. I'm going to keep that name in mind, Dr. Neil Nedley's Depression Recovery Program, and it's an eight-week program. That's right. Okay. Well, look out for that program. Now, just any closing remarks before we we wrap this up? Yeah, I became involved in running that program through my church for a few years, and then my sister was actually greatly impacted on it Mm. by the program as well and also my sister's then boyfriend now husband um yeah she he had a massive impact from that program on his life as well because the people are helped quite a bit by this program yeah and i find when i struggle and when i feel like i'm gonna fall in a heap then i it brings me something that i can come back to and okay what am i doing or not doing from Mm. this program that i could used to improve how I'm functioning right now. Okay, wonderful. Look, I appreciate, Karen, you coming in and sharing your testimony with us today. Uh, I think we might have to have you back because I think there's a few more stories you can tell us. But, uh, dear listener, we pray that you've been blessed by this, and we look forward to catching up with you next time here on By the Word of Their Testimony. Until then. You've been listening to a production of 3ABN Australia Radio.